Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's coming up, Simpsons. This episode is brought to you by, oh my God, we have so many sponsors this week. Are you ready for this? <gasps> yes. Yes. Uh, we are brought to you by the genuine glow-in-the-dark office police badge. Hey, that's mine. <laughs> hey, that's mine. We're also brought to you by the Chocolate Factory, where you could meet Coco Beanie himself. <laughs> We're also brought to you by Laramie Cigarettes, with that smooth, good taste and that rich tobacco flavor. Um, and we're also brought to you by Blood on the Blackboard, the Bart Simpson story. Ooh. Ooh, made for TV, you know? Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. We're, of course, here to talk about the episode Bart the Murderer. This is the fourth episode of The Simpsons' third season. It originally premiered October 10th, 1991. It was written by John Swartzwelder, directed by Rich Moore. And the showrunners at the time were Al Jean and Mike Reese. I've heard of them. Reese? 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 I just want to start off this episode episode and say, Allie, you've got a great haircut right now. Hey, thank you. You're, you're rocking a real good haircut. And I'm so sorry I did not mention that before we started recording. You know, we, we got the to internet capture knows. it on air. Uh, yeah. Julia, you also got a haircut. Ooh. Because you just got married, bitch. I got married, bitch. <laughs> yeah, the, we're, you, this is the unofficial married episode. Um, I got married three days ago, two days ago. I don't know. What's well, when time? this comes out, it will have been a little bit of time ago. Yeah. I'll, I'll I mean... We hit up our, our, our Twitter a little bit announcing that this was a thing that was happening. And I'm sure everyone wants to know how Simpsons was my wedding. Oh. Pretty Simpsons, Allie, pretty would Simpsons. you say? Was it pretty Simpsons? <laughs> it, it really was. Uh, it was great. Um, you know, and of course, don't worry, we'll still get to the episode, but we have to take <laughs> care of some wife business. Yeah, we got to do some <laughs> housekeeping. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Julia, your favorite character is Lisa Simpson yeah. and your husband, Mike, who's been on the podcast. His favorite character of anything is Roger Rabbit. And so atop some donuts were yeah. uh, figurines of both characters. In addition to that, there were really beautiful and impressive uh, animations that Mike did of uh, those characters together, including... Um, drawings of Moon Man and Hank, who our cats. listeners know are the cats. Um, <laughs> that was our backdoor pilot for our animated show about our cats. It's very Really, cute. truly. I mean, there was industry in the crowd and I was prepared. You so. did. It was great. And <laughs> I may or may not have sobbed while saying <laughs> that Aww. you are Julia Prescott. Oh, you did. <laughs> Allie gave the best speech ever, of course. I mean, obviously. I, w- I was a sobbing buffoon. Oh, I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah. And we also, um, this is something that we did, uh, at the last minute um, it was on our list forever we had all these like little projects like m- my husband Mike's an animator so he um, you know wanted to make these animations that would loop um, throughout the, the reception as like a kind of cool backgroundy thing and yeah he had Roger Rabbit morphing into Lisa Simpson which was amazing um, but then we also had this idea because we got married at Cine Family which um, if you're local to LA you know is uh, used to be the silent movie theater and then uh, this company came in and they turned it into this nonprofit, really cool art theater um, with and, talkies. 
with Takis. And um, we had this idea of playing or editing together a clip of um, a bunch of scenes from movies that we loved, but like silly romantic movies. Um, you know, like we had one scene from Brain Candy and we had um, it opened with it actually opened with um, a scene from Lisa's Wedding where, um, you know, Maggie Simpson is about to speak in front of the whole crowd and Hugh interrupts her before she can say anything and says, the wedding has been called off. So we had that <laughs> open our wedding. People sat down and that was the first thing they heard. And then there was Wayne's World 2. <sighs> yeah. And then there was Abe Simpson, Mrs. Bouvier. Yeah, it was it was a lot of stuff. And then we had, yeah, Defending Your Life, the Albert Brooks movie. That and, got me. Oh, that, oh, I know, me too. I was standing with my dad. Um, and not, yeah, okay, a little bit more about the wedding and then we'll move to the episode. But on the day, I texted my dad a screen cap of... Um, uh, from Lisa's wedding, uh, Lisa in her wedding dress and Homer looking emotional and like helping her and like get ready. And I just I texted that to my dad and just wrote, "Are you ready, Dad?" Oh, and I just immediately cried. And um, <laughs> when I saw my dad on the day. Um, I got so emotional. Like the moment he walked in, you know, all the family got there super early, but the moment he walked in, it had been a while since I had seen him. And I just immediately started crying and was like, is this is this okay, Dad? Are you happy? <laughs> is this, I just didn't know what I said. And he got teary too. And there's a really great photo um, that the photographer captured of me walking down the aisle and I'm like trying to hold back tears the best way I can, but failing. And my Aww. dad looks super proud. So <laughs> he is proud. Nice. He, yeah. uh, he told me that he loves our podcast. I got to <laughs> meet him. <laughs> good, good. You know, I said, uh, got to plug the podcast. <laughs> very funny. Yeah, that's sweet. He was like, Allie, hello. I'm uh, Julia's father. And I was like, yo, my God, I'm, I'm so happy to meet you. He's like, I love the podcast. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I love your daughter. She just Aww. got married. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, yeah he's very he, proud. He also has uh, quite a mustache right now. Again, it had been a while since I'd seen him. And our friends Brandy Posey and Brennan McGowan were like obsessed with his mustache and kept texting me. And like th- that mustache needs to have poetry written about it, like stuff like that. It was very fun. Uh, well, speaking of obsessed. Uh, Whoa, our- <laughs> you are so good at transitions. Can I say? Thank you very much. Uh, our guest today uh, hosts the Obsessed podcast on Feral audio. I've actually been on it to talk about The Simpsons. Uh, we are joined today by Joseph Scrimshaw. Hello. Yeah. Writer, podcaster extraordinaire. Comedian. Comedian. All the things Squirrel. that we love. Do you also Squirrel. do music? Uh, I play the drums, but I can't you call that music. music. You do yes. music. Just I, I, have, do I have music. done the music. You've okay. done the music? <laughs> I have done the music. Uh, you are a super fan of things and really cherish other people's super fandoms, which is something that I think works perfectly for a Simpsons podcast, because I would say that's what we do. We yeah. we love our own thing, but we invite people over to geek out with us, because that's kind of what happens uh, when you make a new friend anyway. Yeah. You hope that you guys <laughs> will have something in common, and fortunately, it's almost always the Simpsons. Yeah, I like that you said invite people over. It sounded very oldie-timey. <laughs> Come around the porch. Yeah, I made lemonade. Sit on our swing. We'll talk about the TV shows we like too much. Well, I feel like that's what podcasts has evolved to be. Like, it's just like an excuse to hang out with people now. I mean, in the past, before I met my husband, Mike, that sentence, um, I would use it as I've definitely invited people onto a podcast or two. Not this one, but I had another one just because I wanted to flirt with them. I've done it. And I didn't know how else to approach Ooh, it. I've done it, on, I've done it on this podcast. Whoops. Yes, you have. I'll just say it. Julian McC- 
call him. <laughs> Calling him out. Uh, hey, Julian, how's it going? Julian is someone... Probably pretty good. <laughs> he's a good dude. He is. Yeah. He's someone who... Um, it was one of those things where it was just like, okay, well, that didn't work. And then we just joke about it using Simpsons gifts. That's did you fun. Did you go out with him after the Simpsons podcast? Oh, we just got lunch like right after. And it okay. was like, yeah. this was fun. And then it was like, okay. Yeah, super so goodbye. So before the episode actually came out, you're mm-hmm. like, well, that flirting was done. Mm-hmm. Yes. So recording, <laughs> attempt at dating, meh. Then I, the episode was released. Hey, listen, I would highly recommend just start a podcast. If you're listening, just start a podcast to hit on people because it is <laughs> it is sort of like the ultimate test. It's like uh, I always call Disneyland going to somebody that you're kind of dating or interested in. Like going with them to Disneyland is like this ultimate test because um, you're going to be with them for a full day and you're going to have to figure out like when what's it like when they get tired? What's it like when they get bored in line when What's they literally like get wet yeah. when they literally get wet um, I feel like having somebody on your podcast and being forced to talk to them for around an hour is a good <laughs> test to be like how's this gonna be exactly yeah turns out though you usually are only talking about the Simpsons when you're on the Simpsons podcast and then a little bit at your lunch. <laughs> and you're just like, I miss. So there was some disillusionment. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I only want to have relationships that are recorded. <laughs> um, so we asked, uh, as we are wont to do, uh, our guest today, which episode would you like to talk about? Of course, as we've gotten further into the show, um, it's gotten harder and harder. However, I recently made a list that you could find on Twitter.com. I got to do my version too, but yours is great. Well, my list is not subjective. My list is truly just all the all the episodes that have not been picked yet from seasons one through nine. I didn't do 10 because we really haven't done anything from 10 yet. There's maybe one episode. And it's not that I don't like 10. That said, I don't love it. I even like season nine has Das Bus and a few other like gems. But I'm definitely a one through eight. Mm -hmm. There are so many that have not been picked yet. And this is from season three, which really has had almost nothing picked from it. And I was so excited. Um, I don't know if we've already said what the episode is, but Joseph, why don't you tell us why you picked this episode? Uh, Bart the Murderer, I picked this episode because I used your lovely invitation to come on the podcast as an excuse to watch a bunch of Simpsons episodes. And I realized that I knew the episodes more from specific bits uh, like specific lines that have stuck with me so I just googled which lines are from which episode <laughs> Yeah. and the line that had burrowed into my soul and the idea that's from this episode is the make a game of it yeah wow yeah. that's incredible so I I'm, I'm picked this episode for make a game of it and uh, we, we were talking briefly before the podcast and then we realized no save it for the podcast don't speak to other humans outside of podcasts please don't uh, that a lot of the episodes that I really remembered were later than I thought yeah they're like season 10 and season 12 yeah what are I- some of the moments uh, some of the moments, uh, the uh, uh, well, the Luke be a Jedi tonight because I'm a big Star mm-hmm. Wars guy. Uh, one of the the big ones is uh, worst sunset or not worst sunset ever. The uh, could it be any more orange? <laughs> yeah. The comment about the sunset. I think I really gravitated towards because I, I work in geek circles a lot. Some of the Simpsons stuff that was parodying geek culture mm-hmm. before geek culture was as present as it yeah. is now. So it felt really at the time. Like The Simpsons was uh, reflecting a part of my life and my reality yeah. that you didn't see on television. And that sort of level of sarcasm where even as something is as beautiful as a sunset cannot just be absorbed as beautiful, it must be commented upon and right. judged of ironically. Of course, of like, course. Like, yeah, 
it, so it's those things that like and those lines that ended up uh, having uh, relevance to my life anyway. Yeah, that's so funny. I mean, I feel like that to me, yeah, that kind of commentary of like, could it be any more, blah, 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 to something beautiful. I feel like um, that's a joke that uh, a lot of my friends throughout the years have like gravitated toward of just like something that is, well, I remember when I went to Hawaii for the first time. And the only time. I'm not fancy. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's Hawaii. Everywhere is gorgeous. Yeah. Everywhere is just this picturesque postcard. And I remember being there and my impulse in the moment was just to be like, ugh, gr- gross, like, <laughs> next, get out of here, <laughs> you know? Because it's just too much. And I think that that's sort of where that kind of joke, like, originates of just like it's overwhelming to be sincere in this moment. So the natural reflex is to make a joke out of it. Yeah, 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 and I think Simpsons for like uh, it, it, it it bridges that uh, gap in that transition. I think from people who were like sincerity, no, gross, yeah, to like okay, now we've gone too far with sarcasm, and maybe now we're in an era of going too far with sincerity. Right, but right. Simpsons offers both. You know, that's interesting that you mentioned that kind of duality because I feel like this episode specifically, and and it's been said online about this episode a lot of how. Um, it really straddles a line between this sort of like cheesiness and sincerity, which I feel, um, or I guess also cheekiness because it's doing a huge pop culture parody with Goodfellas. But I feel like that's something that has been so consistent with Simpsons and something I want to talk about. Simpsons does a lot of pop culture parody. They do a lot of references, but they don't do it in a way that I ever feel like it's pandering. And I think that's because they don't just sort of let it sit and have it do the heavy lifting. They use the pop culture references as a jumping off point to say something greater or to make this really great story about Bart and and having a lot of like these big switches in the episode where first we see Bart really, really vulnerable, powerless. And then we see him having all the power, you know, being connected to Fat Tony and his mob. And then we see him rising up there and then Fat Tony and his mob betray him. So it's like there's a lot of switches that are happening, but they're using the pop culture reference in that same kind of duality as a means to lay a really sturdy foundation for that. So it all makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. feel like I like how the episode goes back and forth between the perspective of whether or not mafia and crime does pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and for a little while there, you're like, well, these people seem like lovable scamps. <laughs> I kind of loved Fat Tony being put in his place by his boss and seeing him kind of be emasculated in that moment. Um, and we'll get to it. We're jumping all around right now. But um, Bart has risen up in the Fat Tony gang because he makes, what is it? Martinis. Um, um, yeah, he makes a really great uh, dry Manhattan. martini. Manhattan. Manhattan. Sorry. Yeah. And it's just funny that like we are to assume or we're taught in this episode that He's the only one in that entire group of people that can make a Manhattan. The other uh, mob goon is like, I only know how to make a white wine spritzer, you know? And so, yeah, we sort of see that and, and Fat Tony's put in his place. And it's kind of nice to see. I always enjoy that in films and TV, seeing like a big, scary mob boss, you know, how he acts against an even bigger, scarier mob boss. And it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Julia, would you mind telling the absolutely. viewers? Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Who have not heard this episode or seen this episode in a while, what's the synopsis according what's to Wikipedia? This is, I think this one is going to be pretty comprehensive. So, uh, in the episode, Bart stumbles upon the Mafia Bar, 
Legitimate Businessman's Social Club. <laughs> Great, I love it. Um, after having a terrible day at school, the owner of the bar, Mobster Fat Tony, hires Bart to work as its bartender. When Principal Skinner goes missing after punishing Bart in school, Bart is soon accused of having him murdered and is put on trial. As he is about to get convicted, Skinner arrives and explains that he was accidentally trapped in his garage all week clearing Bart. Well, you did a great job. That's pretty good. Whoever, <laughs> very, Steve in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, Wikipedia guy. Very know. clean job, he is. Very Told clean. us what has happened and robbed it of almost any charm or interest. Yeah. Very clean. Surgical. Well, we're, we're missing, as I just previous, previously briefly mentioned, um, we're missing the first act, which is we're seeing Bart just having basically the worst day of his life. Yeah. Everything and that could go wrong. it makes it so powerful. It's so yeah. relatable. Oh, yes. my gosh. I know. <laughs> I was feeling like that before I knew that... Um, Julia, so on the way over here, I was having one of those days where, like, just traffic was super bad, yeah. and, like, I got stuck at, like, they're definitely, like, my crystal slippers don't fit kind of problems, <laughs> but I was like, I'm in this Starbucks long line for too long. Right. <laughs> like, my you know. crystal slippers don't fit. <laughs> I stepped on my stegosaurus. <laughs> I know. It's hard to complain about anything when we live in beautiful Southern California, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we do what we do, but I get what you uh, That cri- crystal slippers thing is a, is a phrase that I am stealing or borrowing from Bobcat Goldthwait, by the way. I oh, heard him fun. once say it when he was oh, like... Oh, that's fun. Yeah, complaining yeah. about something really great. I was just like, you're right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, this, this uh, something really great is not quite fitting your expectations. I like <laughs> picturing really Bobcat wearing glass. I bet he does wearing oh. his mm. cat. Um, yeah. But I was just going to say that, like, you know, you have those days where it's just kind of like, let me catch one break. And the yeah. hardest thing about it is that he woke up very happy. Like, mm-hmm. Bart was in such a good, cheery mood, even though he steps on his toy dinosaur or whatever it is. And also, that brought back memories. Like, that was like, I remember stepping on toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pain of childhood. The whole thing is about the pain of childhood. I would also, um, I, I would put down on the table um, similarly like Alanis Morissette lists of bad things oh. um, when you bite into a tortilla chip and it cuts into the roof of your mouth is that one oh. of the lyrics from no, no when no. you bite into a tortilla <laughs> chip <laughs> and it cuts the roof of your mouth <laughs> yeah yeah in the videos that happens and she spreads blood everywhere you know? I feel like yeah. you couldn't be a comic in the early 1990s without some open mic bit about how that's <laughs> not ironic Alanis <laughs> I don't know but yeah it's sort of like that that level the crystal slipper is not quite fitting but Bart you know he has some really great lines as he of course because it's Bart um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that because he's the best in case you don't know um, but uh, he's having the worst day ever and uh, I really loved him like showing up to class and Miss Cropple tells him that he's super late and he goes no but I'm oh 40 minutes that's pretty damn late. That made me laugh so <laughs> yeah, hard. I also love that when the the dog uh, Santa's helper is eating the the homework. I didn't know dogs actually did that. I know. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It, you really sympathize. You know, they do such a good job of setting up this entire episode by setting up each beat. Like, you know, he's having a great day, and he says, "Like, I even did my homework." You know, like that's good for Bart. Yeah. And like, it is one of those things. There's also the. Um, forget which one it is but it's the boy who cried wolf episode with bart where like he really does oh it's the crustios episode and like he really does have a stomach ache but because he's known for always <laughs> lying about it like you know his yeah. appendix ends up having to have surgery um and it's just like no oh, bart like yeah. the yeah. bed you sleep in is yeah. so uniquely you i think that's what one of the things that really hooked me about this episode too is that everything it, bart is morally pure at the beginning 
none of this is his fault for doing uh, shenanigans or being bad, which I think uh, becomes more important later once you see all of the adults behaving poorly. I agree yeah. completely. Um, it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to that later just because I want to go into what happens next, uh, which is that after like he splits his pants and then hits his head and like all these things, um, he's going on a field trip to the chocolate factory, mm-hmm. which is called Ah Fudge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, he forgot his um, permission slip. Permission slip. And there's this moment of Lisa on the bus where she has this like kind of grin. And once they get there, she's like, you know, I do think that Bart would enjoy this, but he has to learn. Right. And you know, it's one of those things where I was watching this through the lens of someone who like the everyone listening lives in contemporary times where you are always wondering like how do you make a murderer like that that is what this Mm. is where it's just kind of like enough bad things happen you fall into the right or wrong group of people uh the circumstances present themselves in a way where you don't realize that what you're doing is bad or that the people that you're around are corrupt or that like you're just trying to do what any kid is doing which is to be liked and have fun and maybe make some money doing it and then you find out way too deep just like oh no yeah (laughs) (laughs) and maybe it's not a mob maybe maybe this is i mean i know that like at least when I was a kid, like all I ever heard was like gang bangers. Like, right. be careful of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, Mike goes, "They got along like gangbusters, you know, because gangbusters are." All- I'm like, "All right, Dad." That's a gang banger neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, gang banger No, but I mean, and even still, and here's where I feel like they're so smart in the way that they're setting us up that we're still on Bart's side the entire time is because even when Skinner goes missing, and we know that it could have been because um, Bart was. Completely Complaining uh, about him to the mob, he should have been smarter with with what he was disclosing. It still remains pretty in- innocent because it's not like he's going, "I'm gonna kill Principal Skinner." It's just him complaining about it, and then Fat Tony going, "Oh, well, this Skinner is giving you a hard time. Well, then I suppose we have to do something about that." Yeah. Um. So. Uh, this is the first time that we're actually seeing Fat Tony, yeah, uh, which is very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, let's see when did when did Sopranos come out? Because that was gosh, I mean, this is ninety one, so it definitely uh, later. I feel like it's mid to late, but there definitely were um, like a lot of mob movies and mafia movies, and like it was very stylized. The Simpsons liked Tarantino a lot, uh, as we see in like a. Down the line, there's an itchy and scratchy where, you know, they're doing the cutting off the ear thing. And, um, you know, The Simpsons loves kind of pulling from other genres and and making it completely their their own. Um, They're able to do um, a parody of like a a kind of a little, you know, in this case, um, subset of violence and culture, but (laughs) uh, make it not feel like a one to one. Like it, yeah. Yeah. Fat Tony is very much his own character, and all these types of characters. Even though you have like the head boss who gives the kiss of death, like they do that stuff in a very like Simpsonsy way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it not being a one to one, I think, is what really distinguishes the Simpsons. And sort of what I was saying earlier about like, yes, they're doing parodies and references, but they're not pandering. They're not resting on it, and they're always going to be like. Uh, with a creative edge and also that it feels consistent to the residents of Springfield like it's very believable that Fat Tony would exist in Springfield he doesn't feel like this weird crossover from another series yeah and I think uh, I was watching it today uh, with the perspective not just of the more modern gangsters of uh, Godfather or Goodfellas but they're really specifically drawing from like Guys and Dolls Damon Runyon's work where the uh, all of the mafia people are 
kind of speaking in this weird, affected way where they're trying to sound intelligent. Yes. Higher than their station, mm-hmm. which yeah. sort of thematically, uh, I think, has a lot of resonance with uh, a lot going on in Simpsons of what are people's station? Are they rich? Are they uh, lowly? Are they powerful? I yeah. agree. So important to explore that too through a character's voice. Um, And I think that also, I mean, that that's kind of a trope in mob movies that they've picked up on. And I'm recalling and you you guys remember Sin City Mm -hmm. when it came out and everybody was going apey about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember there being. I think that was the actual review. Yeah, it was. You'll go apey. You'll go apey for Spin City. Oh, only I go. Only I go. Yeah. You'll go mopey for Spin City. That's a great t-shirt that you can get on the boardwalk right now, Allie. Only I get apey for Spin City. In that same way of only I may dance. But no, I was I was going to say that there are two goon characters in that movie um, that uh, are constantly trying to they're, like they're using a comical amount of like large words that yeah. don't apply to the situation but they were fun weren't they remember remember those guys they were fun I do I went AP I went AP for it twice um, <clears throat> to twice <laughs> two APs <laughs> to uh, speak a little bit more just to the characters of like what does the mob look like I love them because so basically um, just to fill in some uh, plot holes I guess uh after Bart's bad day, he skates home and he falls downstairs and then he wakes up to or, you know, comes to and there are all these guns around his head, which is very scary. And yeah. I remember seeing that as the cover art um, and being very afraid. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> even today, just like, I don't remember these guns. Like, that's so scary. Poor Bart. Um, but uh, they're v- Tony especially is very nurturing and father. Lee. And like it's very much a family, which of course is the stereotype of a mob. But yeah. they take care of each other and it's very, very sweet. But the thing I like the most about the mob in The Simpsons um, is their love of entertainment. Um, <laughs> they love itchy and scratchy, even yeah. though um, it's a cop that like shoots up all the mobsters in this uh, itchy yeah. and scratchy episode. I, you know, there might have been a different version where like they hate itchy and scratchy because the, you know, the mouse yeah. is a cop and kills all these mobsters. Right. But they love it because they just love a good joke and they love a good drink and later in um the episode um my or uh what's what's the name of the one where homer's the clown jesus homie the clown yes cheater dear <laughs> lord one of those days um <clears throat> they love like the the tricks and stuff on the bike like they just love having a good time <laughs> and like they really don't seem like very bad people and you guys talked about it earlier but like when when bart comes late and um you know he kind of gets tony in trouble he gets the kiss of death which doesn't pay off later so we assume he's okay but yeah, um, he does show up again <laughs> yes. Um, well, basically, you know, uh, you'd think that they were going to kill Bart or something because he ruined this opportunity. Right. And instead, uh, Bart is just like, well, of course I'm late. Principal Skinner's been keeping me late. And he's, they, you know, you think that they're going to kill him, but it's out of love. It's yeah. very right. sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and again, jumping around, whatever. But um, later when so pr- then in the third act, Principal Skinner goes missing and everybody assumes that, um, you know, he's been killed. Killed, and then the mob they immediately betray Bart 
by, you know, this like fake obliviousness that they, um, you know, perform in the court of like, well, I didn't know. And he's Bart's really the the machine behind Don this. The Bartholomew. Muscle. Yes. Yeah, Don <laughs> Bartholomew. Yeah. And um, then later when we see what actually happened, I really love that joke of they go in to threaten Principal Skinner and Skinner basically tells them to fuck off in mm-hmm. so many words. And they go, OK, and then they just <laughs> leave, which is just so fun. Well, it's also great because when they go in to talk to Principal Skinner and you think that they're going to beat him up, um, one of the guys is just like, uh, we really think he has a lot of potential. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That line in particular like drove home to me that I think one of the main ideas of this episode is that Bart can't function well as a kid. We already know this from right. The Simpsons, but that maybe he would be fine if he could just jump to adulthood. And I like yes. that the mob is offering him like... You're not good with schools or grades or teachers or that structure. But if you can just work, make booze for adults, you're kind of comfortable. Everything's going your way. Yeah. It's a good point. It is a good point. And I feel like there's a lot of kids in the world that can relate to that. And as we've seen, that do go into that kind of lifestyle pretty early on. And again, going back to Goodfellas, you know, that's sort of what happened to um, the main character, Henry. And that, you know, but then again, he always wanted to be a part of the mob because he grew up, you know, watching them kind of like cover this community. And, and it was something to be admired. But, you know, what do you do when you are kind of wise beyond your years and you're kind of an adult in a kid's body and you don't fit in you kind of jump forward and that's something that I think that they've touched upon with Bart and like you know how they imagine his adulthood to play out in a lot of ways a lot of times it was very jokey um, very you know very yeah. sad we see in Lisa's wedding that he is you know uh, running some sort of like demolition kind of company <laughs> right. um, we see in another brief flash that he is like um, kind of uh, not an overweight stripper but he's got he's got a real <laughs> real gut to him another thing that I thought about in joke about uh, last weekend during my bachelor bachelorette party um, that you know if you were going to get me any stripper guys get me Bart as a stripper <laughs> um, which I don't know if I would enjoy but there are certainly a lot of people in LA who would be great candidates for that um, but anyway List them uh, every comedian I've ever known um, yeah wearing no, I, slippers I, I feel like that's something that you know we talk about um, what was probably the bible of this show which is um, if you guys aren't familiar when people write up a TV show they have to create a Bible and say like this is what's going to be true about these characters and this is what's going to be true about this world um, till the end of time and that's certainly been tested in The Simpsons over the course of 28 seasons but I feel like they are really great at remaining true to what the core essence of what Bart was probably written out as in that Bible that he's going to be this sort of wise beyond his years kind of guy but he's also going to be run by his id in a similar way that Homer is but slightly different I feel like Bart is a little bit more sophisticated and smart about his it. Like, he chooses when to, like, be a Hellraiser and give in. We've talked about it before, but um, I really do see Ho- I, I, Bart's uh, future as being very good. Like, I really Me do too. think that he's someone who, like, you know, his girlfriend would be like, I can't believe that you used to be, like, a bad kid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, that's so crazy to me. You're what so you, nice now. What do you think he would actually do? What would Bart actually do? I, I mean, I think like something like a bartender would be great because I think he kind of yeah. sees through bullshit. And I think he is probably like actually a good listener. And I think anywhere where he can have a little bit of structure but doesn't feel like the world is forcing structure on uh-huh. him, 
Like that to me is what what seems uh, uh, his, his he certainly has an it of I just want to do this, but it's almost always to see what will happen. Wow. Like he almost always has like I'm going to let off a firecracker here to see what'll happen, and then it usually doesn't work out for him. It's not it's never out of like just anger or destruction. It's always one of wanting to like test the structure. Yeah. It seems like to me, and this episode is one where he's not really he does very little wrong besides the, yeah, the graffiti. Wrong. It's the graffiti of Skinner, and that's it. Yeah. Besides that, he does nothing wrong, and he gets uh, abused by structures of power and adulthood. Yeah. Uh, like multiple. Totally. Throughout this episode. That's a really great. I mean, that all of that is a great point. And but him being a bartender for some reason really rings true to me. He, it reminds me a lot of Sam from Cheers. It reminds me oh, a lot yeah. of Nick from New Girl. Um, and uh, Bart is Nick from New Girl. Bart is Nick from New Girl. <laughs> but I think that he's not. <laughs> organized enough to a shitty pitch would be he runs some sort of startup in Silicon Valley because he is very clever but I don't think he's organized enough he doesn't have that patience he doesn't have that patience I think that he's going to be the kind of guy I mean if we're doing the real cheesy sitcom version of this real cheesy style he takes over Moe's and then he gets his own prank call or whatever it's stupid but um, (laughs) no I see him the wheel turns the wheel turns turns. listen it never ends Um, the Simpsons soap opera but um, I feel like like, yeah, he would be kind of a Sam uh, a la Cheers in the way that, like, he could reference some sort of, like, past that he had. Like, maybe he did try and be ambitious at one point in his life, and then it kind of blew up. Um, because, again, he doesn't have the patience. And then, but he's, yeah, he's a little too clever for the world. And it's kind of hard to find when you are, like, an outlier in that way. It's kind of hard to find your niche and make it work. So you either create your own domain a la a Silicon Valley, or you just kind of relegate yourself to being on the outskirts of civilization. Totally. Uh, so, listeners, I want you guys to think about what that is while we take a quick break. Uh, we will be right back. And why don't you go ahead and tweet us what you think Bart will be doing in the future? <laughs> <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Pull over the car. We'll see you in a bit. See you in a bit. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Fulton and Rourke. Fulton and Rourke is a men's fragrance and grooming company that specializes in solid colognes, shave and shower products, all designed to make getting ready easier and more enjoyable. Their travel-friendly wax-based colognes go anywhere. Plus, there's nothing to break or spill. And of course, they all smell fantastic. Fulton and Rourke's bar soap is designed to exfoliate the skin with or without a washcloth. And GQ Magazine just named their shave cream the very best on the market today. So try it for yourself at FultonandRourke.com and save 15% off your purchase by using the code Code feral at checkout. Hell yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> hey, Allie. Yes, Julia. Um, do you ever borrow the dude friend in your life's clothes, like socks or T-shirts or other things? Uh, all the time. I'm a modern woman. Hey, listen, I'm a modern woman, too. And my husband, Mike, can attest it has been literally the only fight we've ever had in our relationship <laughs> where I am constantly stealing his socks because he has great socks. They're super fun, just like Mike. <laughs> They're the, the, the cool guy, cool socks. But um, I found out about Mac Weldon. Do you know about them? Uh, they're the company that makes like really good socks yeah. and underwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so it's not just like really good, like cool design, but they like feel really soft and they're like really, really cool. So now I recently bought a bunch of socks from Mac Weldon and now the, the tables have turned. Now I'm like, get off my socks, Mike. <laughs> These are my socks now. Uh, so I, I should get some socks for myself. Yeah. And in fact, so we're partnering up with them. And I don't know if you know this. I don't. Um, we have a promo code where our listeners can get 20% off at Mac Weldon if they type in Simpsons 
at the checkout. Oh, my God. Can I do that? Yeah, you can do that. So I get to be the owner of some fancy new socks yeah. and maybe get my boyfriend an upgrade on mm-hmm. his uh, his uh, underpants. Yeah, they have, ton- they have tons <laughs> of, like, underwear and, um, you know, they've got, like, cool sweatshirts that are really soft and really cool looking, too. Like, Ooh. the kind that you could wear to, like, a pitch meeting in Hollywood, California, baby, would and you- not feel like you're coming from the streets. Would you say that they're better than everything that I have now? Yeah, I would say that. Well, then I got to get some... Yeah. Using the promo code Simpsons. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And we're back. Hey. Oh my God. Oh that, man. Was, that was so fast. What, two... did you, what did you do during the break? Well, I watched about seven episodes of The Simpsons. Uh-huh. As you do. Yeah. I yeah, became yeah. a bartender. Wow. <laughs> great. The school yeah. is not well, that could, long. Yeah. Well, you could do it online. It's sort of like traffic school now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you are uh, an ordained minister and a Jedi Knight. Yes. Uh, did wow, you do really? that online? It was real easy. Yeah, it was a click of a button. <laughs> I didn't even have to check an extra That's box. Really funny. They just sent me the Jedi Knight certificate. They just knew. That's the, the same thing that, uh, again, got married this weekend. My friend Dave Child officiated us. He did the same thing. He got ordained, I think, in two churches, and then he made a joke about the Jedi Knight Church. But it's I real think thing. he actually did it. Well, yeah, he definitely, every time we had a meeting about the wedding, he was like, I'm really trying to get this Jedi Knight <laughs> thing going. So <laughs> Yeah, I was lucky. The, uh, the wedding that uh, I officiated, it was requested that I make a big deal out of being a Jedi Knight. And I was like, no fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was very special. Um, so... Uh, uh, now that we're back from our break and we've had some time to think about some of the uh, moments that we missed talking about earlier, I'd like to go back and talk about the fudge factory because we have <laughs> <laughs> always with the fudge factory, Allie. Okay, fine. Back to the fudge factory. That's where the fudge is made. The uh, story. <laughs> um, we have Troy McClure. Yeah. You may remember me from such films as The Revenge of Abe Lincoln and The Wackiest Wagon of the West. Oh, I we, love it so much. Me too. And we, we get to learn uh, the origin of uh, Coco. And that it actually uh, was rolled in a tobacco leaf and uh, mixed with shredded tobacco. And yeah. you didn't need it. You smoked it. Yeah. <laughs> a very racist depiction of an, a Native American uh, a la a baseball team yes. mascot yes. Mm-hmm. smoking a cigar uh, made out of chocolate and tobacco. Uh, so it's very fun when we get to watch all the kids at the Fudge Factory because they're all going cuckoo bananas. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of id. Yes. Ki- kids are, are dropping. Millhouse drops his glasses. My glasses. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's very unhygienic, but no one seems to mind. One guy very half-heartedly is just like, oh, be more hygienic. Whatever, yeah. they're kids. This is another way that, I mean, we talk about it all the time, that The Simpsons really nails the, the childhood experience. Mm-hmm. And um, permission slips and missing permission slips was the bane of my childhood <sighs> existence. And, like, you might as well have just, like, quit life in that moment. Like, you are just completely, like, uh, ashamed put in a oh, dunce cap. My Terrible. mom my mom would safety pin permission slips to my clothes because yeah. I was always forgetting things. Mm-hmm. And this is also a great example of like a total bullshit field trip, which I miss. I miss those bullshit field trips like yeah. those those uh hey, your teacher needs a break kind of field trips, <laughs> you know, nothing uh, really educational about this chocolate factory. Yeah, I went to go see a an alleged history show at a history theater where I grew up in Minneapolis and it was called Cowgirls and it ended up just being like the only history of it is like there were girls in the old west and sometimes they had sex. Right. <laughs> Our history la, teacher la. brought Oh, it was beautiful. It was like going to the chocolate factory. Uh, So uh, some more jokes to keep going in order. Um, It's this is the type of this is like such a Simpsons joke that is something that 
I didn't know like the origin in terms of like it's the specific line. It's more that this is just the type of joke that we all make and mm-hmm. it feels like it comes from the Simpsons. Yeah. Which is uh, Fat Tony is asking Bart to bet on the horse race and he says, eat my shorts. And he says, you little punk, he's in the fifth race. I said to pick something in the third race. And then he says, like, don't have a cow, man. And he's, they check and then don't have a cow, man is the name of the horse that of wins. Course. Yeah. And just doing that kind of like taking something and running with it and making it real. Yeah. Like choosing a thing that is just a catchphrase and then it's just like, oh, of course, this is the reality we created where the horses are named these things that Bart says well yeah i love that i didn't realize until uh adulthood because uh, i'd never gone to horse races have you ever been to a horse race uh yeah yeah i didn't realize until uh i went for like a concert i think Ooh, i think i saw devo play at the santa <gasps> nice. anita racing track but we were bored waiting for them to go on and like picked up a racing slip and i didn't realize that all the horses have silly names yeah yeah so this joke so, works on like this works, 87 yeah. levels and then yeah. the fact that it is all catchphrases is really Simpson saying we deserve to be among in this pantheon of yeah. cartoon catchphrases. It's so fucking weird though that that became a thing that like horse like racing horses have silly names um, because I guess you know if you're at a racing track and the announcer goes and you know like uh, Steve Steve is in the running uh, <laughs> next to Hank. It's like doesn't really have the same like you know she's the fastest you know kind of ring to it but yeah no I agree it's it's such a great thing I thought you were going to go um, back to the mob themed itchy and scratchy cartoon um, fat Tony laughing and going it's funny because it's true uh, in yes. regards to the violence that is one that's that, really good that is one that makes it into normal conversations yeah. probably daily yeah but I don't think the Simpsons originated it no 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 way no that's just a that's just a thing. That's just no. a thing. I think, like, for me, when I was first seeing The Simpsons, some of the power of it was these were the kind of, like, little in-jokes that I had with my friends in junior high. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to see them. Like, there's so much about Simpsons that's just, like, it, it's funny because it is true. Because right, th- this cartoon was reflecting a lot more reality Absolutely. than anything else I'd ever seen on television. Well, it's because the writers are really smart and funny. <laughs> and, I mean, that sounds, that sounds really dumb and patronizing, but it is. It's because yeah. you get to hear how smart and funny people talk like when you read a good book by someone funny like Steve Martin or like it's actually they make a they make a joke about it when Bart is signing yearbooks and he says like have a good summer and he's like he writes the way people talk right (laughs) well I think that that's a testament to the creators of the show knowing exactly what kind of show they're making I feel like a lot of times when you watch sitcoms um, primarily you know live action sitcoms it's really hard to figure out what the tone is and figure out like where is the show going especially from a pilot you know Every year we see new pilots and we kind of, you know, see them like uh, live and die very quickly. Um, But The Simpsons, I feel, out of the gate knew exactly what kind of show that they were making as opposed to a lot of other shows taking about a season or two to figure out what it is exactly. Um, And, you know, with that, I feel like uh, a joke, they make so many meta jokes in such a great way. Um, But the joke I want to talk about is so um, Fat Tony, part of his business is, um, I guess, something to do with learning Laramie cigarettes, like they, you know, like buy up a bunch of Laramie cigarettes and then sell them off or something. Yeah, I don't they know. hijack the truck. Yeah. Hijack exactly. the truck. Oh, that's, that them. was it. He steals them and sells them for profit. Great. <laughs> so then uh, um, Bart uh, has a, a whole like stock of Laramie cigarettes in his room and um, Homer stumbles in and sees them all and, and thinks it's really fishy and then has this really great moment that is, you know, indicative of a lot of like 
cheesy American sitcoms of the dad finding out. I feel like this was almost a leave it to beaver kind of beat. The dad finding out uh, the kid has cigarettes and makes him smoke the whole pack to learn his lesson. (laughs) And they that's Almost. something everyone does. I've heard that really? from every dad I've ever met. My dad had to do that. It, weird. Like, it's something that I know from real life. That's fucking all weird, the time. man. I That's wanted weird. to get caught smoking, so my parents would say, "Smoke some more." <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I've heard of some parents wanting their kids to get drunk in their house so that, well, a that they can be safe, quote unquote, um, or b getting sick from alcohol so that they wouldn't be as attracted to it. It's a bizarre Which way of parenting. Never works. Never works. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, Homer's about to go into that super cheesy cliche beat, but then um, this delivery driver comes and picks up the whole um, stock of cigarettes, and and Homer just very happily goes, well, I've been proven wrong. Like, (laughs) you're a good kid. I'll never never doubt you again. I'll never doubt you again, yes. Um, There is a moment where after he comes in, sorry, when Bart comes in and says, you know, um, this is about Skinner, and they go in, my favorite line of the whole episode is, is, uh, is just uh, Skinner's assistant says like some large men to see you sir and Skinner <laughs> says I don't have an appointment with large men yeah it's so good <laughs> I love um, the joke so uh, you know now we're kind of in the second act where Bart is you know like cruising around with the mob and like you know he's got this brand new suit that they bought him and he's like you know very confident he tells Marge like give me three fingers of milk ma you know doll he's, he's doll yeah it's very great and then later you you know, um, Marge is getting slightly suspicious that things are are weird with his new after school job, and I love that beat when she wa- looks out the bedroom window oh, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> you know, that pizza delivery truck's been there for two weeks. I mean, how long does it take to deliver a pizza? <laughs> it's such a funny commentary on like the FBI, you know, undercover kind of truck and like whatever they choose to pretend to be undercover as, because like pizza delivery is just the worst one. <laughs> and so that truck immediately goes away. Oh well, then that was solved because they're listening to their conversations and then it's quickly replaced by flowers by Irene which spells out of course FBI it's very funny um, that's yeah. a joke I missed the Simpsons oh, are so clever great. the flowers so by good. Irene yeah I missed yeah. that yeah um, yeah and then the font that they use it's like so like FBI it's really great uh, so there's a moment where we do have to well there's um there's a dream that Bart has to go to jail and then he's electrocuted and that scared me a lot and also just the cuteness and ter- terror of making him sit on two phone books so that he could fit into the electric chairs. Yeah. Very disturbingly creepy and um, detailed. Um, but did anyone else notice Sideshow Bob but Buffer in the jail cell next yeah. to... That oh was my gosh. weird. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was not part of the dream, right? That was, no, that was that, that was the reality part. It yeah. wasn't Sideshow Bob because he doesn't have arms that big. But it right. was definitely his hair and face. So it's either Sideshow Bob <laughs> Buff or there's yet the another <laughs> Sideshow that we didn't know about who's right. also murderous. Yeah. Another thing that I want to point out in this episode So, again, we're in season three, so it's before there's been more evolution of the extra Springfield characters. But Chief Wiggum has black hair. He does not have blue hair. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. It is a thing. To um, <laughs> we also get Lionel Hutt, who it's uh, it's oh, always yeah. so good to have two Phil Hartman two characters. Phil Hartman, Troy and a yeah. Lionel. That's great. He has um, so many great lines in this episode. Do you have any faves? Yeah, murder one man. Even if I lose, I'll be famous. <laughs> that one's pretty good. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's good. Um, we get the very hilarious like um, truth of what happened to Skinner. Yeah. Um, it's so silly like that he's like 
the lesson is to recycle your newspapers because his stack like piled up too high. But the thing that really tickled me was that he's been bouncing a base a basketball to keep like, his mind yeah uh, keep sharp. his sanity <laughs> yeah keep his, his very sanity and yes. that's a really great plan and payoff from uh, earlier in the episode when he tells Bart to reseal these envelopes for the PTA to pass the time you know basically like make a game of it yes. is what he says in, so then later he makes a game of it and it pays off in the basketball yeah. oh yes and can you tell us that line it happens twice once is when um, uh, Bart is uh, having to stay and lick envelopes and then Skinner says yeah and the first time it's just bullshit it's like make a game of it Uh, try to do as many as you can in an hour and then try to beat that record (laughs) I know and when he first says it it is just sounds like the kind of bullshit that adults try to serve kids to make crappy monotonous things better yeah and then I love that it comes back around to then he was in an actual life or death situation. It's absurd, but an actual for the Simpsons life and death situation. And he really does preserve his sanity by <laughs> making a game of it. And that is why it stuck in my head, because I thought of it every time I had yeah. a crappy, monotonous job in real life. Absolutely. That I would try to make a game of it exactly like Principal Skinner. Yeah, I think that I that's, that. I mean, it's, so yeah, it is the crappy things that adults try to pass off to kids, but it's legitimately useful as, I mean, you've just expressed, but I, I feel like in my own life of like waiting in line at the DMV, like being at the airport, doing all these things, like how can we like keep our brains sharp and not go to mush like Mother's Preserve? See how I tied it back? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so great, and I actually um, I found out in researching this episode that they had actually conceived of the writers had conceived of this um, idea for the episode before the movie Goodfellas came out. Cool, and then mm. Goodfellas came out, and they were like, "Well, let's just inject a bunch of references to that movie then, because then you know people will get it even more, and there will be none of that like you guys ripped each other off or whatever, whatever kind of bullshit." But I found that really interesting. Me too. I like that. Good for them. Good for them. This is also the um, last episode before the show went digital. So it kind of marks the end of an era. Um, And this season, I mean, we kind of touched upon it earlier, but season three, God, I want to talk so much more about a lot of these episodes. Um, I'm hoping in this next season of our podcast that we talk more about Stark Raving Dad, like Father Like Clown, Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington, Lisa's Pony, Saturdays of Thunder, Flaming Moses (laughs) in this season. Uh, We have talked about Burns, Verkaufen, De Kraftwerk. We also talked about Flaming Moses with uh, Josh Weinstein, the one who worked on Mystery Science. Not yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, Weinstein. I, I know. Yes, I'm, thank I, you, I'm Weinstein. Not, I'm not listing episodes we haven't done. I'm just saying that this season is jam packed with a lot of really great stuff. I married Marge, uh, Lisa the Greek, all this good stuff. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, 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 hopping around and watching a bunch of episodes, it was really clear that like by season four was when they got into the almost machine factory of every line will be a hilarious, clever joke. And then rewatching Bart the Murderer a couple of times, I, I was sort of charmed by there are great zing lines that are well-written jokes that we've been talking about. But a lot of them are just kind of character beats. Yeah, there's character a lot of yeah. story. Yeah, that's just, that's just funny because that's that character's perspective. Yeah. I also love, I mean, so like going to... Around this time in The Simpsons, we're seeing a lot of like character introductions that they didn't realize, of course, you know, when they had um, like 
brainstormed this episode with Fat Tony that he would be he would go on to be this like really loved character and especially the voice actor Joe Mantegna could not have so anticipated good. but now I feel like you know gosh in The Simpsons being on for as long as it has like I feel like his association um, with through a celebrity is like one part Fat Tony and one part literally everything else I feel like he'll <laughs> never be able to fully shirk being Fat Tony and that's really really great it seems that he's embraced it yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, why wouldn't uh, why you wouldn't it's you? great though to, for somebody like that to be like hey uh, a, a show comes to him and says hey are you willing to mock the roles you've been doing and then <laughs> right. that's your main thing in life is mocking a few roles you did once yeah yeah, it's um, it's great. This episode is so great. I, I also wanted to say um, certain lines that I, I just, I love the, the combination of words. A seemingly endless parade of emotionally shattered babysitters <laughs> for, uh, I think, in the courthouse when uh, people are testifying against Bart. Um, yeah, it's it's so great. And the fact that, like, he's being tried in, as an adult and everyone's just sort of, like, you know, accepting that. And then earlier in the episode, um, Chief Wiggum says a really great line about, um, let me find it. Uh, oh, uh, that Fat Tony... Or perhaps Bart, I, I forget who he's specifically referring to, but I think Fat Tony. Fat Tony is a cancer onto the city. He's a cancer and I, uh, what kills cancer? <laughs> Which is such a fucking funny joke because it not only speaks to, um, you know, Wiggum's incompetence and, you know, his idiocy, but we don't know what kills cancer. <laughs> so it's really great. Yeah, this this one does feel like a very light kind of fun episode, but every little joke is sort of like the horror of reality, like that dream sequence is yeah. just a parade of Bart having like relatively good understanding of every single institution and authority figure that is going to let him down. Yeah, and it's this great noirish um, dream sequence. And I feel like also around this time in The Simpsons, they utilized a lot of noirish kind of dream sequences. Or maybe I'm just thinking a lot of that Treehouse of Horrors that were happening around this time. The one from this season is the one with the monkey pop. But I think that the one before was um, the uh, Edgar Allan Poe one, oh, so which of good. course is very noir noirish in its own way and we just recently talked about the hellfish episode which is again it feels kind of noirish in its own way but yeah it's i love that they go to that to sort of explore you know a story beat with bart's conscience and and it's very stylized and fun yeah but and I, scary yeah, yeah and scary <laughs> it's great yeah yeah and i like that they cut away to burns just to point out that they shouldn't be drawing this child I know. as an adult. That's yeah. like that's his only present, his only point of like it's so good that they're doing this. Like, and obviously the audience is like, no, it's not. It's terrible. And and they could have easily have not had that, and it would have been fine. And it could have been seen as a throwaway, but it really isn't. I mean, I feel like there's no throwaways in The Simpsons. No, no. And there's a great line that uh, Principal Skinner clarifies that he had been missing for a week. Yeah. So everything we see, the hunt for him. The rush to judgment on Bart, yeah. all of that in a week. Yeah, and I love that. Like the police go over to search his house, but they don't. They like, completely miss the garage. <laughs> They're just tearing through his bedroom, and then they've got a psychic there for some reason, which makes me think of like you know the mentalist or some bullshit. Yeah, the medium. That was that of that Patricia Arquette TV show. Um, yeah, it's just so funny. I, I mean, they're touching upon so many different genre tropes. There's so many different genre, um, you know, genre bending kind of references in this episode. And but it all is cohesive, and it never feels, you know, gratuitous. They are use, utilizing it in a very smart way. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so this episode ends. We've hinted at it before, but there's this moment where, um, you know, uh, because Skinner clears Bart's name, everything is fine, and uh, the mob still tries to like kind of recruit Bart back even though they did absolutely 
you know, stab him in the back. Yeah. And um, I like that Bart isn't afraid of them. Uh, you know, he, I would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would do whatever they said. I know. I'm weak. I just respect uh, authority so much. <laughs> I don't ever want to feel like I'm in trouble. No, it's so very that's scary. where we're different. It feels like Bart reclaiming his childhood, which he does a lot Aww. in The Simpsons, of like, yeah, I saw my peak in the adult world, and it seemed kind of smooth and fun, but then I realized you immediately stabbed me in the back, and, and you know, death, betrayal, nah, I'll just go back to skateboards. That's cool. Oh, you're right. Because yeah. there wasn't a completely clear, it's like, it's time for me to be a kid again, but that is exactly what happened. Yeah, it's just like, crime does not pay. I believe that <laughs> idea. And then they go away in the limos and then there's like but does it but Bart doesn't feel that no the Bart doesn't feel does. that and yeah. it's very funny because Fat Tony says you're probably right and then gets into <laughs> it uh, and then this episode ends on such a ridiculous beat of so they're watching the made for TV mo- movie which Marge points out they changed just enough so that the family doesn't have to get paid and it's Neil Neil Patrick Harris who at the time was Doogie Howser yeah um, <laughs> which is perfect for Bart that makes yeah. so much sense I was reading an article by Nathan Rabin on uh, AV Club and he was he's the best at, he was curious at as, is this the first documented instance of Neil Patrick Harris kind of making fun of his own celebrity? I because, think yes. Yeah, because then we, of course, see it later um, when his career hit that real resurgence in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. But yeah, this could be like the first time that he was kind of, you know, showing that he has a sense of humor. And of course, that's what's made him the giant star he is today. It's really true. It's crazy. That is crazy. Make fun of yourself more, folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's a good lesson. It all goes in hand with I think the Simpsons feeling real like like it's a show that is not bullshitting you about the world even to the point where people who are actively being mocked we're like, sure, let me get on it. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's true. So let me do it to myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, But the last line of the episode is after this, they're watching this. Uh, Homer says, you know who the real crooks are? Those sleazy Hollywood producers. And then like a very fast end. It's just I like this show. I love it. I know. I know. And it makes me think of that great uh, joke in um, Radioactive Man when they come back to Hollywood after like that fucking shit show trying to shoot the movie in Springfield. And, you know, it's like, don't worry, we don't care that you ran out of money you know like oh, <laughs> just come back into this warm bosom <laughs> basically is the sentiment uh are there any moments or thoughts that you have that we did not get to touch uh, i think the only other like major thought i had was since this one has an element of what is school good for because like it's not good for people like bart right and then seeing how many references were dated at the time of The Simpsons, and then people come to it at all different ages, things like the Jackie O's with the free stretch pants inside, and the fact that Bart's not just being a generic mobster, he's being very specifically Sinatra, singing a Sinatra song. It made me think it would be cool if we did away with school, and instead people just watched Simpsons, (laughs) and then had the responsibility to research every reference. Yeah. And you would actually learn a huge amount about, like... Life and our history. I bet there's some homeschool that's been it. doing that. I mean, some Simpsons fucking homeschool? family. Yeah. Well, there's uh, Berkeley had a uh, course on the Simpsons, and my sister, who is so Lisa, and like graduated with above a 4.0, um, and you know she went to Berkeley and was such a Simpsons nerd, and she's like, it's too hard for me. Wow. So it was really the teacher. I don't know who it was. I wish I did so I could shout them out. But whoever was teaching the class at Berkeley in 2001 and 2000 at least in 2001 you should come on the podcast they should come on the podcast because they created a course that was too hard for 
someone that was on the news for being so smart. Yeah. Like oh. it's wow. it's really amazing. Um, and I'm very curious of like what the curriculum is. Yeah. I, I would I've just all, love to see the syllabus. Me too. And I've heard that there are people that follow us on Twitter that have told us that they are teachers that show um, episodes and teach themes. And I want to hear those things too. So much. So send us some information because we would love to talk yeah. and figure that out. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast podcast before, but I've started teaching recently, semi-recently, um, screenwriting. Um, and uh, I think my students are sick of me referencing <laughs> The Simpsons. <laughs> Already. Uh, each time I do it, I'm like, listen, guys, it's because it's true. Eh, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're just such... Uh, you guys know this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, the Simpsons is, I mean, it's like masterclass in writing comedy, masterclass in storytelling, and exactly what we've discussed with this episode. It's like, this episode could have been a weaker show and it would have been perfectly acceptable in primetime in the 90s. A weaker show would have just been like, here's the Goodfellas episode, good night. Um, but instead they explored so many different things and we learn more about Bart and we learn more about Homer and we learn more about you know this world. We get a little bit of Principal Skinner in there. We learned and about how chocolate was made by the Aztecs. <laughs> we learned it's wrong to beat mascots. Yeah, yeah, no, it's everything is just so jam-packed with a lot of lessons that you blink and you miss it because it's so much. But um, that's why we rewatch it, and that's why it's one of the most rewatchable things on the planet. Oh, easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for picking this episode. This Absolutely. was a great discussion. Um, I don't know if I would know who your character is that you think you're the most like. <laughs> there are a few that I would say you're um, kind of – I think there are a few that make you uh, – who you are, but who do you think is the character that you connect with the most that is the most Joseph Scrimshaw? In this episode or in Simpsons in general? In the Simpsons in general. Uh, Maybe if uh, Krusty and Professor Frink could have a baby. Ooh, I knew there'd be some Frank in there. (laughs) I I enjoy the fact... I got a lot of Frank. I enjoy the fact that you combined two characters instead of being like, oh, I guess this one. Because there are no rules. I feel like people, when we ask them that question, they're like, I have to pick the the family. (laughs) Nah. No, you. no. I mean, I really love all of the archetypes of the family, but I don't quite see myself right. in any one of them. Yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah. And Krusty's approach to comedy and Professor Frank's just sort of uh, surreal. <laughs> Jerry yeah. Lewis, I love you. It. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, well, thank you so much. Where can people find uh, any of the things that you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter and Instagram, and all that stuff as at Joseph Scrimshaw. And then my website, josephscrimshaw.com, has all of my various comedy adventures, including yeah. the Obsessed Podcast, do a Star Wars podcast called Force Center, and I'm on this new thing called Anchor. That's Ooh. all about pop culture. Cool. cool. And uh, you could also find uh, Joseph on Feral Audio with Obsessed, and uh, he's got a Patreon, as do we. Yeah. Money. <laughs> Money. <laughs> Patreon.com slash pod for us. And then, Julia, where can people find you? Oh, thanks so much for asking. I'm Julia Prescott on all the things. Ooh. Allie, where can people find you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You could find me at Allie Gertz and all the things. Never and get sold. <laughs> you, of course, can find us on uh, Feral Audio, wherever you're listening to podcasts. Yeah. Oh, and we have some exciting news Do happening we? soon. Yeah, we're going to be setting up a merch store. Um, and part of that merch store, we're going to be partnering. We'll announce this all on our Twitter. We're going to be partnering with a, a company that you probably already buy stuff from. And uh, let's just say that you're going to be able to buy things that rhyme with shmee Ooh, <laughs> shmee 
Tigerts. Tigerts. Yogurt. That is going to be no. your last name on a t-shirt. <gasps> I would buy that. I would, I would buy that for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, stay tuned for that and it's going to be real fun and I can't wait. It's going to be good. I love merch. Me God too. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. well, that about wraps see it up. See you next week. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Feral Audio.